Hello, and welcome to Lopes on Movies. My name is Joey Lopes, and today I'm joined by Connor. Hey, Joey. How you doing, Connor? Good, good, good. Well, I mean, good, but we're going to be touching on a tough subject, but... Uh, yeah, a little yeah, bit. good. But this is, this is kind of a, a special episode, I think. This is something that... Uh, I'm particularly passionate about doing, so I'm kind of excited to dive in, even though it is kind of from some sad news. But uh, we will. Uh, how about we just get right into it? You know, why, yeah, why yeah, beat around the bush? You know, why yeah. why waste any time? So yeah, why? Uh, why bother? The uh, the the intro to this episode was me playing this harmonica riff, and if you're familiar with the riff, then you probably already know what we're going to be talking about. But if you're not, we are here to talk about the life of Ennio Morricone. He recently passed away. It was just Monday morning, I believe, that we found out that he had passed away. Um, if you're not familiar with Ennio Morricone, he is one of the greatest film composers of all time. He is just an iconic presence in the film industry. His scores are some of the greatest scores ever composed. I mean, I'm not, in my opinion, like I, I have no problem saying he is the greatest film composer of all time. It is obviously you know, subjective, but at least for me, like, no, nobody has matched his absolute mastery of of film composition and film scoring. It's just an unbelievable, unbelievable career the guy had. Um, a huge inspiration for me as a as a person that loves movies, as a musician, and in hearing about him, him passing away definitely hit me pretty hard. So it felt like a, a good time to, to do an episode specifically about Ennio Morricone and sort of his impact and what made him so special and maybe turn some people on to, to his music that may not be, may not be as familiar. Yeah, that's a good idea. We, we actually talked about him earlier uh, in a previous show, maybe a couple times, but most recently I remember when we talked about uh, the Sergio Leone film, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, where he did the mm -hmm. score. An excellent yeah. score on that one. I think we, we touched on that, how... Like the score is so impactful in the way that oh yeah that uh, you know I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it just the the partnership that that Leone had with Marconi like, yeah, just I working mean, together to I I don't know what the percentage is that they say like a film like some some say that sound is even more important or music is more important than the than the visuals you know and yeah any, I think Marconi uh, is the master it 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 varies from person to person I think most of the time when when people review movies the music isn't talked about that much. Um, because I think there's a there's a perception, especially lately, that film music should be invisible. You know, like it it's mm -hmm. something that should be in the background, enhancing the visuals, but not necessarily taking center stage in any particular way. But that was definitely not something that Sergio Leone believed in. And Ennio's work definitely stands out and goes toe to toe with the images, equally as important, um, sometimes more important. Like Sergio Leone would would say, it's like. It's like 60 40 images and music um, and some people would say 50 50 mm -hmm. but the uh obviously whenever you watch a movie that ennio morricone scored it's almost impossible not to talk about the music just because of how much of an impression it makes so of course we had to talk about it with once upon a time in america but now i think we're just going to spend an entire episode just talking about ennio's life and work and and some of our, our own thoughts on on his great contributions to movies so one one thing I want to start with is that I actually have an Ennio Morricone story related oh. to me specifically. Nice. Um, Let's hear it. I first encountered Ennio Morricone's music when I was in college. I think the first Sergio Leone movie I watched was actually Once Upon a Time in America. Like I went right for, for the last movie he made, 
before watching his his westerns, which is kind of weird. But nonetheless, uh, I watched Once Upon a Time in America, loved it immediately. Was listening to the score like constantly after I'd seen it. Um, a little bit later, I watched Once Upon a Time in the West, and you know, same experience. Like I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was so incredible and and moving and, and great music that I just started from there, just kind of going on Spotify and like listening to random Ennio Morricone scores and just being really taken with his work and, and how incredible it was. Um, so around this time, this was probably around like 2013, 2014. Um, I, don't, I don't even remember how I saw this. It was just like randomly browsing the internet. I saw that Ennio was actually planning on coming to America for a performance at the Barclays Center in New York. So oh, he was going to be conducting a live orchestra of, of you know, some of his hits from from the greatest movies that he composed for. And, you know, as, as soon as tickets were available, I made sure to get them. So I had mm-hmm. tickets for this performance, but Ugh. unfortunately it was canceled because Ennio actually fell ill at one point and his doctor recommended he not travel. So I came this close to getting to see Ennio Morricone perform live. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's one of the biggest disappointments I've, I've ever had. Um, just knowing, especially because he was already in poor health at that point. And I mm-hmm. knew that uh, after after he wasn't coming to America for this, there probably wasn't ever going to be another opportunity. Definitely really sad, but I continued listening to Ennio Morricone, just falling deeper in love with his music ever since. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, I can say pretty confidently that, like, seeing Leone's movies with, with the Ennio scores, like, changed my life in a way. Just because I, I was already, like, passionate about movies and stuff, but I don't think I had ever been nearly as, like, obsessed with with movies and and music and kind of like the the perfect marriage of those two things then when i saw those those movies and and the work that they they did like to me like i don't there's there's no greater art form than the combination of of moving images and music like putting them together working together and in tandem to tell a story it's I, i think their collaborations are the absolute peak of that just kind of style of filmmaking and and to me it's it's the most beautiful thing in the world so I'm I'm super super like happy that we have all of these movies to watch, and super happy that we have this body of work that we can we can look into. So I think the mm-hmm. uh, just just to, to to end this section with a quote from Sergio Leone. Um, this is what he used to say about his movies. He said, "I've always felt that music is more expressive than dialogue. I've always said that my best dialogue and screenwriter is Ennio Morricone because many times it is more important a note." or an orchestration than a line said. When you can manage to express something with a look and the music, instead of saying it with words or having the character speak, I think it's a more complete work. Um, and honestly, I feel like that quote pretty much sums up my entire feeling on, on movies and, and the, the potential for movies as a storytelling medium. Um, I, I always say that my favorite, uh, my favorite filmmakers are Leone, Kurosawa, and Gendi Tartakovsky. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of a lot of that comes from this this sense of like how to how to tell a story with images and music, and it's prioritizing that over the the dialogue, which is a more like theatrical approach, which is is great on on its own, but definitely um, is a different kind of storytelling than I think uh, Sergio Leone and a lot of my favorite filmmakers would go for. But yeah, to me, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah, well said. So Connor, yo. How about we do a little bit of background on Ennio Morricone? Can can you tell us a little bit about his history? Sure, I can do that. So he's born in Rome. They they say he's uh, started writing his first compositions when he was six years old. Eventually started taking trumpet lessons. 
uh, completed a four-year music program in just six months at age 12. So he was a musical prodigy, which mm-hmm. is no surprise. And the, the funny coincidence is he attended the same school as a child as Sergio Leone. There's a, there's a class picture of them that is all over the internet right now. And the funny thing is that they didn't realize that they knew each other when Leone hired Morricone for a fistful of dollars. Yeah, it's famous, a really uh, uh, dollars trilogy. Yeah, the uh, I think Morricone like as soon as he he first saw Sergio Leone, he recognized him. Was like, wait, are you the same Sergio Leone from school? And after that, I think <laughs> it, it was meant to be. You know, <laughs> he started working as a composer first on radio dramas, then worked as a trumpet player in jazz bands and a ranger of uh, of pop tunes before eventually transitioning to film composition in, in particular. In 1964, after, you know, Leone hired him for A Fistful of Dollars, uh, the rest is history. A Fistful of Dollars went on to become the most successful Italian film of all time. Uh, Ennio worked with Leone on every one of his subsequent films, as well as with many other great Italian directors. Uh, Eventually, Ennio would start working on Hollywood films, which would get him his first Oscar nomination for his score of Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven, which I know you just watched, Joey. Uh, I did. You're... Your quick review of Days of Heaven. It's great. All right, good. I'll have to watch that one, too. All right, uh, he did quite a few scores for other big Hollywood films in the 80s, including Brian De Palma's The Untouchables and John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. Very different. So he has a wide range. Yeah, like he listened to uh, The Thing score, and it's completely different from everything he, he did with like Sergio Leone. Oh, like yeah. It's, it's very like synth-focused and, and strange. Um, so he, he had an incredible range. Mm-hmm. The most recent association was with Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino would use like lots of uh, pieces in, of Marconi's music in his, in his films, and mm-hmm. they eventually collaborated together and with uh, one original song for Django Unchained, and then he did the score for The Hateful Eight, which he won his first Oscar for in 2016. Now, I remember that was, a, yeah. that was a great moment. Quentin Tarantino is obviously a huge champion of film, mm-hmm. and he... You know, he grew up. I think he's he said that his favorite movie is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yeah, right? he's he's sure a he huge that. fan of Sergio Leone. Um, yeah. You can tell, like his movies are very different from Sergio's movies, but you, they they have like a uh, you, you can very clearly tell the influence. He would use a lot of pieces of Ennio Morricone's music in his own films, mm-hmm. um, and it was only in 2016 that they actually collaborated on a full score together, which I think uh, he pretty much told Ennio like, "Do whatever you want. I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna give you any notes. Just." write the score and we're just going to put it in the movie and that's that so just because you know quentin tarantino he, he's on record saying that he considers uh morricone on a level of like bach for him you know he's he's yeah. like he's the greatest of all time so he wasn't going to give him any notes he was going to tell him you know go go ham and, and he did it's a it's a, it's a great score it, it's crazy though that it's the first time he ever won an oscar for a movie um, yeah considering how uh how incredible his career was he, he had a chance of winning for the movie the mission um, where everybody thought he was going to win, but it ended up going to Herbie Hancock for the uh, the score to a movie called Round Midnight, which is a, a great movie, but it was a little bit controversial at the time because the a lot of that score was rearrangements of existing compositions compared to uh, of the the completely original score that Morricone put together for the mission. So th- there was there was some some controversy there, but he got it eventually. He also got a Lifetime Achievement Oscar um, a, a couple of years before that. So he he was he was well recognized for his work. Yeah thankfully yeah sometimes it happens too like there's lots of just all-time greats that you know oscar doesn't always get it right obviously you know <laughs> yeah i mean, I mean martin has... scorsese didn't get an oscar until the departed you know 
which like, is definitely not exists. his best f- movie. Like, I mean, it's a it's a good film, but it's not. Oh, it's a great movie, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's we're, we're talking not... about the guy who made Goodfellas and Casino in the nineties, right. and Taxi Driver, and like, yeah, come on, but right? It is what Os- it is. Yeah, Oscar doesn't always get it right. You know, the, it's just thinking back to that. Uh, so, you, so you were going to see him in twenty fourteen. Yep. And he did the score for the Hateful Eight, and that was for 2016. The man never stopped working. No, you know? he didn't. It's yeah. it, and I think he still has some had some projects that were being worked on till the day he died. Like I, yeah. I'm pretty. I looked at his his uh, page recently, and there's things that haven't come out yet that are in that are in the works. Like so, he never stopped working. He's the kind yeah. of a lot of these artists are like that. That are just you know this is their this is their life. Is and the guy love what he's he doing did. this. You know, yeah, like I, so. I, I've read a lot of interviews with Ennio Morricone, and he's a very interesting guy. Like, there's uh, sometimes he can be very blunt and, mm-hmm. and kind of like like serious, and he, sometimes he had a little bit of a, of a a slight chip on his shoulder for being seen as the Western guy. Yeah, um, because obviously his career spanned decades, and he only did six movies with Sergio Leone, right? So, like, just completely thinking of him as the guy who did westerns is very very much not accurate, but um, he he was very grateful for for all of the all of the love that he had gotten, and he he loved working on movies. It was it was it was a part yeah. of him, man. It was it was yeah. his life. And I, I he gets taken out of context a little bit too. Oh, he does, there, yeah. which, which he happens does all the time. time. But the thing that's funny about the the Hateful Eight uh, score that he did is that is when uh, Tarantino was going through his his is you know it was making westerns yeah if you listen to that score i don't know if you had a chance to re-listen to it it's not a western score oh not at all no you know it's which almost is like I, a horror movie it's weird right it's like a horror movie which is it's perfect for that film too because all you know all, all the characters are these shady characters who have yeah. like something to hide and it works really well for that movie but i wonder yeah. if, like you just said that i wonder if in the back of his head he's like i'm not you know he wants me for a western thing i'm not gonna give him a western score no, though it's, it's funny you say that because you know? I, I was reading some interviews with him before we recorded this and i'm pretty certain that the uh the score for the hateful eight like he intentionally did not want it to sound like a western score oh yeah yeah i can i'm yeah, yeah that's like, exactly what i figure that. so yeah. it's uh and it doesn't but it works very well for the movie it's a very very interesting very interesting score i remember like as soon as the the movie started and and started with that theme song i was like oh man i'm in <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go. yeah that that giant it was a long overture right yeah. that uh yeah that's a yeah, sounds like a bassoon or something that's like playing mm-hmm. the melody it's really low really really low it's yeah. uh it's, it's just awesome um all right so let's uh let's, let's talk a little bit about about his craft here obviously ennio morricone is a composer um i i read a tweet from the video game composer grant kirkhope he's well known for a lot of video games he worked with rare in the 90s so like banjo kazooie okay um, yeah yeah and and more recently he did the mario plus rabbids kingdom battle okay. um soundtrack but he, he's been mm-hmm. working on soundtracks for years um, so he, he's a well-known composer, definitely a really, really cool guy. Um, and this, this is what he had to say. Um, Ennio Morricone dying is such a loss. There's not too many left of the old brigade of composers who really knew slash know how to write music. Once they're gone, there is no one that can, can uh, that can replace them. And just another, another quote from earlier on, uh, the, the director, Barry Levinson, who, uh, Ennio Morricone worked with at one point, he said this, he doesn't have a piano in his studio. I always thought that with composers, you sit at the piano and you try to find the melody. There's no such thing with Morricone. He hears a melody and he writes it down. He hears the orchestration completely done. So there, there's these two, these two quotes paint a, a particular picture of the kind of composer that Ennio Morricone was. Like 
the guy was beyond professional. Like he, he would often talk about his work on on film scores, not in a like kind of dismissive sense, but as something that was just a part of his identity as a composer. Um, and the reality is, Ennio Morricone was a true master of his craft, and the particular skill set that guys like him had, and guys like you know Bernard Herrmann, you know, like that is becoming increasingly rare. Like people, people these days do not have the same range of of skills that a guy like Ennio Morricone did, because a lot of music, music now, especially for film, is very much based on production. Like guys like Hans Zimmer are very well known not for their their compositions necessarily, but for their mastery of like production techniques. Mm-hmm. Whereas a guy like Morricone was a master orchestrator, a master writer of of melody, um, and his his contributions to cinema are the kind of thing that we definitely don't see much anymore. There are very few composers that have the skill set to write music like that nowadays. And it's it's just it's just a fact and it's a shame. But it's not that it's impossible to write music like this. It's just that it's very very hard and it takes a very very talented person. And Morricone was one of those people. The, the one of the main things I think is really important about Ennio Morricone's just strengths as a composer is his orchestration ability, which if you're not aware, like orchestration is basically like if you have a song, right? You you have a melody, you might have some chords underneath that melody. That can be defined as a song, but the orchestration is how that song is presented. So a song could be presented as a vocal with guitar, right? A song could be presented as a piano, like a solo piano piece, or a song can be presented as a full orchestral arrangement, right? And the thing that Ennio Morricone was a genius at was coming up with unique and brilliant orchestration techniques. He would find the most creative choices for instruments, the most creative ways of using them in combination. Ennio Morricone is really the guy that kind of opened up the floodgates for, you know, anything is possible in film composition. Even though nowadays I don't feel like we... There there are still standard styles. I do feel like Ennio Morricone is responsible for just kind of saying anything goes you know we can we can score a movie with whatever we want right um so before i before i get into that i just want to clarify that even though we're talking about orchestration here it should be noted that ennio morricone's melodies are among the best in the business some of the most beautifully conceived melodies i've ever heard um and the the thing with a good melody is that it has the, the quality of seeming so perfect that it was like inevitable that it wasn't written mm-hmm. by somebody, that it was just something that always existed. It's like seemingly simple, effortless, but it's extremely hard to write perfect melodies like this. Like there's a good story about like Paul McCartney, how he, uh, the, the tune for yesterday, like he, he came up with it just randomly one day and was like completely convinced that he stole it from somewhere because it was so good, <laughs> but no, nobody could, could place it. It was, it was original, but that's the kind of thing that happens with a good melody. It's like you, you, there's no way to, to like, it's so hard to craft. It just happens. It's like it feels magical when it happens. And Ennio Morricone, time and time again, would would find these melodies that it's seemingly simple, but just absolutely gorgeous and incredible. Um, so it, it's important to note that, where even though we're talking about orchestration, his melodies are amazing. Um, but nonetheless, he would arrange these melodies in such a way, and that's that's really what what made him famous, I think. Um, so the the thing that's important to remember is that Ennio was a very forward-thinking, experimental musician. He actually worked for many years with a group of avant-garde composers during his time making making music for movies, 
And this kind of interest in the avant-garde kind of bled into his film scores in really interesting ways. So, like, in, in his westerns, he's famous for, like, the weird instruments he would use, the weird textures he would put into the scores. Because originally, like, A Fistful of Dollars was a super low-budget movie, so they couldn't hire, like, an entire orchestra at the time. So he would do things like, you know, put in whip cracks, gunshots, whistling, you know, electric guitar, which was still fairly, like like strange at the time like rock and roll was a thing but it wasn't something that you heard in movies you know yeah. <laughs> um so he he would blend this with like orchestral textures and these these you would create this strange like it, like world that at this point is is so iconic that it's almost the default thing that people think of when they think of western music they think of these like weird sounds they think of like the the coy- the coyote yell from the good the bad and the ugly you know they think of uh of, like the grunts they think of the whistles you know um, but, uh, even, even beyond that, I feel like Ennio's was just an incredibly creative orchestrator, even with like kind of typical like string sections and such like his, his string writing to me is like some of the best string writing in the, in the world. Like it, it completely melts my soul every time mm-hmm. I hear a, a good, uh, a good Morricone string section. So I think now would be a good time to maybe talk a little bit about some of his famous compositions, because if you're not super familiar with Ennio Morricone, there are plenty of incredible ways to get indoctrinated into his work. Now, unfortunately, because we we do upload these these uh, episodes to YouTube, we can't really play any actual Ennio Morricone tracks, or else we'll get like copyright claimed, and the video might get muted. So we don't want that. But mm-hmm. thankfully, uh, I'm able to perform some of these these pieces myself on guitar, or at least like yeah. the melodies to them. Uh, yep. and harmonica, I guess, because I did play the, the harmonica <laughs> intro earlier. Um, so we'll we'll be able to to play a couple of snippets of of some of the tunes we're going to talk about. Um, let's uh, so obviously we'll we'll start with the spaghetti western, right? He he's super famous for inventing the whole spaghetti western sound. It's like the default sound that people think about when they think about the West. But even though it's kind of gotten parody to the point of cliche, I feel like it's still like totally iconic. Like it's it's completely it's completely cool. Like you cannot stop western music from being incredibly cool um especially the score for the good the bad and the ugly which is is absolutely iconic one of the the greatest film scores of all time so there's a couple of of great tunes from the good the bad and the ugly um i'll play the the melody to the good the bad and the ugly theme uh right now so have a listen to this just say that uh this a, a great song yeah no it, this, it's it's fantastic this past weekend i was uh i was in lewis lewis delaware obviously mm-hmm. and uh was walking in the town and there was a an outdoor venue like an outdoor like restaurant area and there was a band playing that song and I, I, I thought I was hearing it in my head, like, <laughs> like oh my God, this is, this is so great. And then, but then I, I just keep walking over and I see that there's a whole band playing it and like everybody <laughs> around there, it, like people are, are like coming like just from all over, just like you're totally into it. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just on the sidewalk, just kind of like listening. And then like, 
it, it just it's it's like it's such a great song that it yeah uh, it's, it's it's just hype it like gets, I, it gets I was, you going you know it was weird i was just i, I was just like drawn to it like yeah. it was it's wild and then it's just so strange that uh like that is that a song you hear like a like a band playing like that like not really but like although funnily wow. enough like any of morricone's music does have like sort of a, a history of being played by like pretty famous acts like uh Another song from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, The Ecstasy of Gold, which might be the most famous Morricone composition, maybe, um, was actually Metallica's opening song for a while. Um, they actually played The Ecstasy yeah, of Gold yeah, yeah. to open their concerts. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you, his, the, a lot of those songs were sampled in a lot of other artists' music. For it's, sure, yeah. It's because uh, it's so great. Like, it's because yeah. it's so unique, too. Like Absolutely. The, like all those things that you said, like the the whips and all the all yeah. all the stuff that's just like in it, just awesome. So even even going beyond that, like a- after the the dollars movies, like those movies are very much about like like hero characters, and I, I don't say heroes as in good people. I say heroes as like these archetypal like like almost like characters that don't have much about them other than their like status as just larger than life characters right as a result like the music of those movies is more it has it's like cool you know it's kind of detached it's kind of more like epic music um Mm -hmm. but eventually like leone started writing a lot more complex characters and as that happened morricone had to consequently start writing music with a lot more deep like emotional um content like stuff that can really get into more of the relationships between the characters and more of the the emotional storytelling that was happening. So what what ended up happening a lot in in the later portion of like Leone's career is that Morricone was writing just absolutely gorgeous orchestral compositions. Um really like he, he was starting to do that a little bit with the good, the bad and the ugly, because there were some very particular moments in that movie that that stand out as as bizarrely emotional for a Leone movie. And a lot of that had to do with with Morricone's music. But then after that, Leone started leaning into it. And so like Once Upon a Time in the West, um, the movie Duck You Sucker, and then Once Upon a Time in America, perfect examples of this where Morricone's scores for these movies are just absolutely gorgeous, like some of the most beautiful music you'll ever hear in your life. But that said, like he, he still was writing just like incredibly like epic music, even with this more strong intent of moving your emotions. So like a, a great standout. Um, the man with the harmonica theme from Once Upon a Time in the West. It's a theme that c- kind of connects the hero and villain of the movie together. Showcases everything that's brilliant about Morricone's work. Like it's just a perfect composition, and you hear it many times in the movie. And every time, it's it's just absolutely stunning. Like so, it, that's mm. the tune that opens with that kind of eerie harmonica motive that I played earlier in the episode. Um, then after that, it like it builds with this kind of ostinato figure, which is based on the harmonica motive, which like creeps in and then builds to this huge crescendo and then distorted electric guitar coolest coolest thing in the world and i'll play that that for you right here and then after that full orchestra comes in you know it plays this incredibly just like regretful like just intense melody that uh that perfectly encapsulates the the relationship between this hero and villain and it ends with the harmonica figure repeating again and again and again. Like it, it's it, it takes my breath away every time. Um, yep. And so, even better when you watch the watch the film together, and it's just it, it adds like a whole nother level to it too. When it, you see it, like yeah, oh. absolutely. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that it, it was made to go together. The yep. uh, the image the image and the music it was built for each other. And 
Like I always say that NEO's music, you can listen to it and get the entire story without needing to watch the movie. But at the same time, like when you watch the movie, you get it. Like you understand like, yeah, this music is essential. This is not just background music. This is a part of the the entire story. This is so important and it, it adds everything. Um, so I think that that pretty much wraps up the, the amount of time we have today. But yeah, I mean, I, I really I really can't say enough how, how passionate I am about Ennio Morricone's music and just how, how unbelievably beautiful it is. And, you know, rest in peace. He's, he's somebody that has inspired me and influenced me in, in countless ways that he, he will never know. But um, I'm very, very thankful for his work. And I, I really hope that people continue to listen to it forever. His impact on film, you know, changed it for the for the better, and it had a very it had a profound impact on some of the greatest filmmakers. It's not a coincidence that the best filmmakers around right now, you know, they'll tell you that the top guy, and you're Marconi. Sure. No, no for question. Sure, All right, thanks, guys. We will see you next week. <laughs>